If you have your Bibles with you tonight, I would invite you to open them to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19 and reading at verse 5. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent, reigneth. Let's stop there and look again to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, it is a great blessing each and every time the doors of the house of the church is open and your people gather together. We have a song in our hearts and we, we just in, are blessed to be able to sing your praises and we thank you for such a great Savior that we have. There's no one, no one like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he left the glories of heaven and he came down to this cursed world with sin. And we thank you that the only solution to this sin was for the eternal God to bear our sins in his own body upon the tree as he hung there. And we just thank you, Lord, that um, he took our sin penalty. And we pray, should there be some soul here tonight who's never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ to take, to take their sins away, that you, would, um, that you would be heavy on their hearts about that issue. It's an eternal issue. And we pray now as we open your word that you'll bless each and every one of us. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. The Lord is called uh, the Lord God omnipotent here in this passage that we read. You know, the kingdom of the most high God over all includes his universal rule over everything, over every aspect of his creation. And the word omnipotent in the Strong's Greek Concordance Dictionary, it means, the Lord God omnipotent, it means all ruling, absolute, and universal, sovereign, almighty. So the Most High God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, rules over the entirety of the universe, including having total control even over the rebellious elements of society, and even over and including all the fallen angels that rebelled in heaven and followed Lucifer. 
And over the devil himself, he has, he has total control over the entire universe and everything in it. And I'd like for you to turn back to the Psalm 92, the 92nd Psalm. And in verse 7, we read, When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. And then if you'll turn over to Psalm 95, Psalm 95. We read in verse 4. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry ground. We want to look a little bit into this this power that the Lord Jesus Christ has, the, he's omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. And he controls everything. And the way we learn about him is from open our Bibles. Open our Bibles. In Psalm 135 and uh, Let's see, no, yeah, let's, let's turn over to Psalm 135. And in verse 5 of Psalm 135, it, we read this, For I know that the Lord is great. The psalmist said, I know that the Lord is great. And that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. Verse 7 says, he causeth, the, he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for the rain. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. God's storehouses are filled with treasuries, treasuries, his treasuries, such as we just read the vapors and the lightnings and the rain and the wind. These are just a few of his many, many treasuries. And they all obey his beck and will. 
The prophet Jeremiah recognized that God has universal rule over every aspect of his creation. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, in verse 23, we read, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man, and there are wise people, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man, and there are mighty people in this world. But God tells the wise men and the, the mighty men not to glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And I'd like for you to turn to the book of Job, the book of Job, right before the Psalms. And we will turn to Job chapter 38. In chapter 38, and 39, well, well, in chapter 38, if I counted correctly, God asked Job 55 questions. And if, you, and if I counted correctly for Job 38 and 39, he asked Job 77 questions altogether. And, you know, I can't help but to repeat something I I once said about Job, you know, these, these are, Job was a real person. Job is the oldest, it's thought to be the old, oldest book of, in the Bible, even older than when Genesis was written. And I'm sure you have too, but there have been times, and Job is one of these characters, where I, I, I read real carefully through the book of Job. And as I, as I got to the end of it, I just felt like I had a new friend. Because I just, he, if, the, if these words are living, and they are, the word of God is, is quick, meaning alive. Well, these characters come alive. The Lord Jesus comes alive. Moses comes alive. The, 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 the disciples of the Lord Jesus. It's, it's, I find that quite amazing that you can really um, sort of enter into their personalities just the way we enter into one another's personalities by knowing people. But in verse 4 of Job 38... 
God asked Job, it says, well, let's, let's start in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins like a man, and I will demand of thee and answer me. And here's where the questions begin. God asked Job this question. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. He said in verse 5, Who hath laid the measures thereof if thou knowest? Or who has stretched the line upon it? He asks another question in verse 6. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who has laid the cornerstone thereof? And in verse 8, God asks Job, Who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth? And then if you look at verse 16, God asked Job this question. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? The sea has springs. You know, springs of water. We've all seen springs. The sea has springs. God asked Job, hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Verse 17, Has, hath the gates of death been opened unto thee? Verse 18, I mean verse 19, where is the way where light dwelleth? Where is the way that light dwelleth? Well, I know the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that the light of his word dwells in him. And then in verse 22, God asked Job, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail? Verse 24, by what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Verse 37, who can number the clouds in wisdom, or who can stay the bottles of heaven? This is, this is just a brief glimpse into this incredible universe of which God rules every aspect of it. Nothing, nothing passes his knowledge. So that's just a glimpse, just a little glimpse of the glory of the kingdom of the Most High God and his, his universal reign and rule over all of his creation. But God is over other 
kingdoms too. This was the, the glimpse of the kingdom of his universal creation. God is over the Old Testament kingdom of Israel. He's over that. And the same kingdom of the old Israel in their, in their land, but now, now they're, they've just returned in our lifetime to that land. And in Deuteronomy, if you'll turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. We read, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto him. Talking about himself, uh, talking about the nation of Israel. God hath chosen thee to be a special people. Above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. It's very it's very interesting to see the times that we're living in. And these are incredible times. Everything that's happening in the world is, is pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. Everything. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 14, if you'll turn a few pages over to chapter 14... And verse 2. Speaking to the nation of Israel, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. This was God's rule over his chosen people. Moses was the first leader. Joshua followed Moses. And then after Joshua died, God set up judges. And then later on, he set up kings to rule over the nation of Israel. But because of Israel's rebellion, they were a rebellious people. At times, there were times when they followed the Lord and they had revivals. But if you read the, the overall picture of it, those times were fewer than the times of, uh, of uh, you know, spiritual power. So there we look at Again, just a brief look. That's that's one of the that's one of the kingdoms, the kingdoms of God. One of them is the this this his kingdom over everything. And then he's he's got this he's over the kingdom of Israel. He he works intricately in in their circumstances. 
And then there's a, a kingdom that we would call the spiritual realm. And I believe that's where we're living today. The kingdom, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual realm. God rules over his created angels that did not follow Lucifer. They did not follow Lucifer's rebellion. And God rules over them. And God rules over men and women and boys and girls who have willingly of their own hearts submitted their lives to his authority. This spiritual kingdom is composed of all the redeemed. All the redeemed. It includes ourselves. People don't know that we're children of God when we walk up and down the streets unless they personally know us. We're just like anyone else. But in the spiritual realm... God rules over everyone. And if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's ever come a time in your life, and I pray that that would include everyone here, but if there's ever come a time in your life when you, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you being a sinner and him being a savior, that you wanted to trust him because you believed that he could save you. I trust that you've experienced that. If we believed on the Lord Jesus and put our faith in him, we receive the gift of eternal life. What a gift. What a gift. Eternal life. And Jesus Christ is that eternal life. When we receive eternal life, we receive Jesus Christ. He is eternal life. So that's another realm. In that realm, the Bible says in Colossians 1.12 that it says, speaking of you and me, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. I mean, what more do we need? Christ has given us everything. It says in Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, and the, the, the spiritual darkness of this world is so powerful you could, you could cut it with a knife. It's, and the longer we serve the Lord and, 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 and study our Bibles, the clearer it becomes. But the Lord Jesus has delivered us from its power. It, has, it doesn't have the power over us. And he's even... Beyond that, he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son.
this just doesn't seem to be able to get any better, but it does. Turn over back in the New Testament to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. And reading at verse 22, Hebrews 12, 22. We read there, we read there in verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling which speaketh better things than that of Abel. He's comparing what we have to Mount Sinai, the, the few verses before that. We're not those who come to Mount Sinai. We come to the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And every, every soul that gets saved the moment any person is converted, they're saved, they become a permanent citizen of this spiritual kingdom. And we believe by faith in God's word, we walk by faith in God's word now. But when Christ returns to the air to meet us, which could be, it could be tonight. It's, 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 there's nothing else biblically, prophetically, that has to happen before the return of Jesus Christ to the air. And the signs of the times that are all pointing to this are just, the, you would have to be spiritually blind not to be able to see that we're living right at the threshold of Christ's coming. And when he does come, we'll see him. We'll see him. We, our faith will become sight. We see him in his glory. There is another realm that we should probably mention. And that is there is a future earthly kingdom of Christ. Talked about in the Old Testament, the New Testament. And it's, the purpose of it is to reestablish Israel's fallen kingdom on the earth. 
And we read in Jeremiah, in the 33rd chapter, Jeremiah said, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, as he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. So here's, an, here's another aspect of the, of the kingdom of Christ. Jeremiah went on to say, I will cleanse them from all their iniquity. You know, Israel as a nation t- tonight is blinded. They can't see. They're spiritually far away from their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a sad, that, that, that nation has had a sad history. We read in the Gospels that they said, away with him, crucify him, release unto us Barabbas. We'll take that murderer Barabbas. But as for this, Jesus, crucify him. And they have been, even what we've seen this past week or two, in all the times of Israel's history, they have paid, they have paid for that, for that, uh, for that rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it was clear as the nose on your face who he was. He proved it. Everywhere he went, he proved it. They said no man, no man ever spake like this man. He he was amazing in his earthly ministry. The, the religious leaders found this woman and they brought him right in front of everybody and said, Lord, said this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses has written to us that such should be stoned. And here's a big crowd of people. But what do you say? We just, I heard a sermon just recently here from the pulpit about that. When he sat down and started writing on the ground. But when, when they all left, he stood up and he said, Woman, did no man condemn thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And he said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Everywhere he went... People saw that. They tried to tempt him, tempt him, tempt him. They came and said, Master, should we give tribute to Caesar or no? 
And now they were just waiting breathlessly to see what he was going to see, say. And he said, show me a penny. And somebody gave him a penny, and he said, whose superscription is on this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, well, give unto Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. Everywhere he went, the things that he did, the things that he said, Jeremiah said, I will, in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 8, um, we read this in verse 8. And I will cleanse them. This is a prophecy about the Davidic kingdom, I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. Verse 9, and it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and of honor before all nations of the earth, which shall hear of all the good that I can do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I will procure that I procure unto them. And then in verse 11 we read, The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring forth sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first. This is the, this is part of the fulfillment of God's promises to the nation of Israel. God promised. He promised it to Israel. He promised it to David. God promised that Jerusalem, Jerusalem and the land of Israel in the future eternal worldwide kingdom, that, that's going to be the center of the earth, the center of the earth, Jerusalem. I was at a, an, an a assisted living service the other day on a Sunday and somehow I mentioned that Jerusalem would one day be the center of the earth and those those old folks are pretty sharp but this one man and he's very interested in the Bible he 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 said Jerusalem is going to be the center of the earth yeah I said yes yes in the in the kingdom age Jerusalem, and, then, and when God creates a new heavens and a new earth, Jerusalem is going to be the capital of the world. And that's going to be soon. It's the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel and to David. And then, lastly, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, son of David, the son of Abraham, 
And, and we read in Isaiah, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That's another, that's another thing, the birth of Jesus Christ. When the shepherds came. And it, it was so monumental that, that Herod the king, when, they, when he saw that uh, the, the uh, Herod told them, when you found this child, you come and bring me wor word so I can come and worship him. Well, the, an angel appeared to the wise men and told them, don't go back to Herod. Go, go back to your homeland another way. And then he sent and slaughtered all those children that were of a certain age. But it says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then lastly, he says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Think about that. In the eternal state, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon this kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So these are, these are aspects of the kingdoms that God rules and reigns over. And again, it's just um, anybody that can't see what's going on, they're blind. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for these few moments to open your word. We know your word is quick, meaning it is living, it is alive, it's powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that there are so many saints here in this place that love your word. And we thank you for the fellowship that we have one with another around your word. And we pray as the, these days go by and your coming gets closer, that we would be your servants, Lord, that we would be committed to serving you, serving one another, and telling the lost about our wonderful Savior. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.